This is Carl Zinsmeister with Sweet Charity, a series of stories about how private giving solves public problems, adapted from the Philanthropy Roundtable's Almanac of American Philanthropy. In the course of traveling the U.S. and taking questions from audiences about my philanthropy almanac, I've collected 10 common criticisms of charitable action. In my last installment, I looked at three big complaints. This week, I'll lay out and respond to three more concerns. The first is the idea that there are too many amateur efforts in philanthropy. You know, it is easy to caricature homemade charitable solutions, but the truth is many great things have been accomplished by non-official grassroots philanthropy. For instance, Robert Goddard was adopted by the Guggenheim family as a tinkering amateur scientist after being scorned by other scientists and ridiculed by the New York Times for his early attempts to fly rockets. The Guggenheims took him under their wing and privately sponsored all of his subsequent research, and he ultimately became the genius of American rocketry, the father of our country's subsequent successes in space. Ted Stanley made a fortune selling those funny little commemorative plates that your Aunt Gertrude collected. But when he became convinced that government experts were massively underfunding research on schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, and other mental illnesses, Stanley began to pour his personal fortune into investigating those afflictions. His quirky private investments eventually culminated in the tremendously productive Stanley Center at MIT and Harvard. Among its many accomplishments in mental health research, the Stanley Center discovered that a single aberrant gene variation may be responsible for the schizophrenia that devastates 3.5 million Americans. Other so-called amateurish crusades against heartbreaking diseases were launched by philanthropists like Bernie Marcus, who took on autism, Michael Milken battling prostate cancer, and Evelyn Lauder and Nancy Brinker, who attacked breast cancer. In the beginning, there were complaints that these charitable efforts were too puny and too unofficial to succeed, that this was the kind of work that should be left to government. But these homegrown efforts all ended up paying huge dividends. A related complaint about philanthropic aid is that it lacks standardization. Charitable giving, some critics say, is a chaotic patchwork. That view, though, makes less sense with every passing year. We now live in the era of small-scale crowdfunding, of peer-to-peer networks doing work that used to require huge companies, where patchworks of personalized small-scale solutions are sweeping away standardized products in everything from craft food to charter schooling. The lesson of today's internet culture is the accumulated power of millions of decentralized acts. Small-scale action that lacks uniformity should no longer be considered a failing. It's not chaos, it's independent problem-solving that accumulates into big accomplishments. All across the world of commerce today, we are seeing the power of dispersed decision-making. Instead of one standardized service, would you believe that the Marriott Company, for instance, now offers customers more than 30 different kinds of lodging choices, depending on where you are and what you need? And these aren't just fake nameplates. Each of these subsidiaries of Marriott has its own rules, its own managers, a separate budget, and special ways of serving different needs. 
And even further out on the spectrum of decentralized, personalized solutions, of course, you have Airbnb. That might look like a chaotic patchwork to somebody from the World War II generation, but it's actually an incredibly effective and efficient service. Well, guess what? Our most effective charities discovered the power of decentralization and non-standardized problem-solving generations ago. Take Goodwill Industries. In aggregate, it's a $5 billion per year charity. But it's not really one entity. There are 165 regional branches of Goodwill, each with their own board of directors, each autonomous in policy and funding. Or consider Habitat for Humanity. All of the 1,400 local chapters of Habitat are independent entities with their own rules, their own practices, their own funding. Yes, local charitable undertakings may look small and dizzyingly inconsistent, but the grand mosaic, the nation-straddling networks of charities of all different kinds, provide highly customized and very effective answers to local needs. Philanthropy can be proud that it pioneered providing services via flexible ecosystems of organizations rather than through standardized formulas. As U.S. businesses have since discovered, a riotous patchwork can be a highly efficient and very humane way of getting things done. A final concern you'll hear from many skeptics is that charity may work for individuals, but what we really need are wholesale solutions that treat entire groups. The one-soul-at-a-time model traditionally prevalent in philanthropy strikes some people as just too slow, but tough problems like addiction or keeping released prisoners from returning to crime, helping homeless people transition to work, or stopping child neglect generally demand one-to-one human accountability. Individual solutions take advantage of all the useful information that becomes available when you actually know someone instead of dealing with a stranger. By creating personal instead of impersonal transactions, They use the power of relationships to teach and change behavior. Mother Teresa used to say, I never think about crowds. I think about individuals. Now, the administrator of a government program has to focus wholly on the crowd. Government programs can't have different approaches and different rules for different kinds of people. They are all about equal opportunity, about being strictly the same for all participants. It's easy to romanticize this consistency of government programs and contrast it favorably to the crazy quilt of individualized variations in charitable aid, but consistency is not really how humans work. If you have one child who needs a very structured environment and another who blooms when left to navigate on her own, you don't want consistent schools. You don't want one-size-fits-all. You want services that recognize and work with intimate differences of personality. You'll have a hard time finding that in government-run programs, but it's a hallmark of philanthropic efforts. So the personal touch, real mentoring, and one-on-one aid that many philanthropic efforts emphasize are not something to be embarrassed about. They are the reason that charitable efforts are able to rescue so many people who are missed by mass programs. For Sweet Charity, this has been Carl Zinsmeister. And for more tales from the Almanac of American Philanthropy, find the book at Amazon. Amazon.